Today's episode is brought to you by The Right Stuff, a fine consulting firm headed up by Trish Bachman. Instead of highlighting her own successful firm, this big-hearted grant pro wants me to tell you about scholarships available through the Grant Professionals Foundation. This includes scholarships for membership and the Grant Professional Association, GPA's annual conference, or for taking the GPC exam. If you are looking to give back and help others, consider donating money or time. Check them out at grantprofessionalsfoundation.org. Hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to season three of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. Mm -hmm. It's also a real possibility that we'll break into song, talk about pie, or refer to you, dear listeners, as y'all. Hey, y'all. And we hope all y'all will subscribe to the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our Season 3 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Hey, Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Today we are talking about something very serious. And what better way? to introduce that subject than through a well-loved classic tune with slight modifications. Are you ready, Amanda? Let's do it. Let's get ethical, ethical. I want to get ethical. Let's get into ethical. Keep your body out of jail. Out of jail. Keep your body out of jail. Woo-hoo. <laughs> oh, why are we podcasting when we could be headlining <clears throat> with Fleetwood Mac or something? I'm sorry, we have to go now. <laughs> We're going to be featured on um, on some new thing that's so super secret, I can't even tell you. <laughs> so, yes, we are going to talk about ethics today in the grant and fundraising world. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of why we decided to do this is every grant conference we have ever been to, there is almost always at least one ethics um, workshop or roundtable sure. discussion. And I'm all about going to those things. And it's kind of sad about the lackluster attendance. And I can't decide if it's just that people feel like they're doing fine, so they don't need that knowledge, Uh or (laughs) if it's because people are afraid they may hear something they don't want to know. But um, it's just something that I feel like no matter what genre of work you're in, ethics is such a vital part of that. And it's so fascinating, especially when people violate their ethics. Yes, oh, I love a true. good story. This I don't want true. people to do it. So, and ethics is such a nuanced thing. Like, I mean, some things most people know, like, hey, we shouldn't steal money. I mean, that's not, <laughs> that's even not just ethics. That's like the law, right? But ethics really does start to get into those nuanced things um, that you just, sometimes I, I like going to these things because I hear about things that I never would have thought of, like, oh, that does have ethical implications. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a topic we all need to discuss and on a regular basis because things change as technology changes and the world is growing. So yeah, um, it's important to remember that getting grant awards and donations from um, individuals and funders it's all great. Woo-hoo. 
But what do you think happens if your agency doesn't spend the money according to the grant or gift agreement? Dun, dun. That's the oh, new yes. sound effect from Law and Order. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> um, so things that could happen. You could get a visit if it's federal funding from the Office of the Inspector General. In mm. fact, I've, we've got an episode in season two about my experience of having to clean up one of those. It's something I never want to do again. People. And y'all, she didn't have to clean it up because they left all their coffee cups out there. There was like some serious business that had <laughs> to get cleaned up. stuff was going all down. Right, all right. Um, there could be clawbacks. You know, they could take your funding. They could cut current funding short. They could say that for the next five years, you can't get grants if you end up on that suspended yeah. or debarment list. And even though the foundation private side of funding doesn't have a suspended and debarment list, I'm pretty sure that those funders talk to one another. Sure they and do. When people are bad at grant management, I'm sure there's sort of a unofficial blackball list. Absolutely. It, or it could be, be official too. It <laughs> could be in the papers. Hey, There's just all kinds of things that could go wrong. And again, not just because you violated some major, major rule and law, but also there, again, ethical principles are at play here. And, and it's also about a loss of trust and confidence. Yes. And the bigger picture even, it's about all the good things that didn't happen because people were monkeying around with that money. Yes. Hmm. So this may not surprise you to know, dear listeners, that guides and codes and other documents around ethical behavior have been around probably as long as there has been written language. I just took a quick trip, courtesy of our overlords, Google, um, through... Um, <laughs> One of your favorite overlords. Oh, I have so many. Um, <clears throat> and I found a couple of things from way, way back in the day. The instructions of Amenhotep, the Sumerian farmer's almanac, the Torah... And the Bible are just a few examples of either official or religiously based or both lists of codes of conduct, which could also be construed as codes of ethics as well. Yes. So what I'd like to do is sort of skip over the hieroglyphs. <laughs> instead of what's our sound effect for moving forward in time? Instead of maybe it's that was lovely. Oh, sorry. Thanks, sound engineer, for cleaning that up. So um, if we skip forward all the way to 2020 and to the grants world, one of the codes and guides of ethical behavior around grants is creatively titled Uniform Guidance. And it's put up by the Office of Management and Budget of the federal government. You may also know it as the super circular. Oh, I love saying that. Super. Super circular. Or the 2 CFR Part 200. Yeah, that it's rolls right off the tongue. Lots of it? names, but mm -hmm. yeah. Uniform guidance or UG. That works. And Amanda has some deep insights into this guide to all things federal grant management. Yes, as you know, I have spent, golly, now it's been 19 years um, in the world of federal <laughs> grant management. She started as a 10-year-old, y'all. I did. I was a baby. Ooh, violating um, child labor laws, which is unethical. Yeah, this is true. Um, and so this, the uniform guidance is certainly, I kind of jokingly call it the Bible of grant management because sure, it sure. really is. It's got all of those rules and it's just, there, there are so many things in there and I see how it's very easy to miss a step or overlook something, but the funders don't care. You don't get to say, <laughs> oh my gosh, your guidebook is 3000 pages long and I missed that one little rule hidden on page, you know, blah, blah, blah. I love it when you get all cold yes. because Amanda, you're usually so sweet. <laughs> nice and you're like because the funders don't care they don't you have got to follow all of those things and trust me we have all made mistakes in the past i think um the difference between just whether you've made a mistake is owning up to it 
saying to your funder, yes, we've, we've overlooked this. How, how are we going to fix it? And then let's never let that happen again Yeah. versus knowing, <laughs> yeah, that's a rule, but I really want a new car. It doesn't really apply to us. Got to pay those medical bills. Yes. Or, you know, uh, no one will, that's the thing. There, I, I don't know how many times I'll have people in class. What are the chances you're going to get caught? I've had a police <laughs> chief in a state that I will not name that is not Georgia ask me, well, yeah, who's going to be checking up? And I was like, Mm, wow, I guess not you. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, no offense to our public safety listeners, because God bless you for the work you do. You run into buildings that most people want to be running out of. So, I, And you I deal with everyone's worst day you, a million times a day. Absolutely. Straight up. But y'all, y'all in my experience, cops, are the, they love to figure out the loopholes and how to get away. And God bless you. But yeah, no, that's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about following the letter of the law, yeah. following the intent. Yeah. And, you know, and if your answer is, well, who's going to catch me? Someone might. If that's what you need to hear, <laughs> someone might catch you. It's not worth it. So let's follow all those little nuances, and please. Also, it's not just in public funding, which again, sources True. of most funding for public safety and other uh, local government agencies. Private funding, as Amanda mentioned earlier, there are rules to follow. They're not the same rules because it's private versus public. But there's not only are there rules to follow, I just want to back up and say people are entrusting money that may or may not be theirs. If it's a grant, it's the uh, an estate or a, it's a legal entity that holds the money. Or a corporation. Or, or it could be somebody um, giving you money that they have earned to do something. It's an it, – you just – being good stewards of gifts should not be yes. something that there needs to be all these lists about. But hey, clearly there needs to be, and just as clearly, a lot of people ignore them. So if all there are all these codes and agreements, public, private, grant agreements, uniform guidance, um, letters of agreement, estates and bequests, um, legal documentation. So if there's all these things out there to make it so clear, why do so many agencies nonprofits and local governments get it so wrong. And this is how wrong it can get. For example, <laughs> in 2016, which is the most recent year I could find um, uh, as a follow-up to a presentation I attended in November of, of 2019, 2016, the federal government clawed back, which means took it back. It also makes me think of those little machines with the claws and you put a quarter in and it goes <laughs> and you reach down and try and get a prize and you can never get the prize. And now I'm thinking of a uh, Toy Story where it's a little ailing, ailing thing and they're like, the claw, pick me, pick me. That's right. <laughs> but here's the trick. The federal government's little machine works and it yes. works so well that they clawed back more than 16 billion with a B of misspent federal funds in 2016. So well, and when you think about the average, I want to say the past several years, the federal government was giving about $600 billion a year. And so $16 billion was being taken back. That's, I mean, that's just... It's a huge amount of money proportion. that I don't even understand what it is. It's so yeah, big. Well, there's that and too. also, I just want to step back and go, that money was not doing good. I mean, money to me is just like an energy. That energy was not flowing and doing good in the community for new parks, new police cars, new fire engines, schools, feeding teachers, people. feeding hungry people, yes. um, developing vaccines, clinical research, whatever it was, it wasn't doing the good thing. That, that To me, that's just the bottom line. It wasn't doing the good thing. But I also know that Amanda has a couple of little stories that she might want to share about, this sounds really bad to say, but 
please don't do these things. But if you do and you get caught, we are going to read them and we're going to make fun of you. <laughs> and so there are a couple of examples of more recent super kind of sorted. It's my true crime addiction, I think, is reading about these stories of grant fraud and figuring out how they got caught, what their why they even did it in the first place, and just the egregious crazy things that human beings can do when they get a little bit too much money and time mixed together and they think no one's looking. Yeah, sadly, examples abound of people mismanaging grant funds. Mm -hmm. um, one from uh, just a couple of years ago, the Northeastern University in Boston received tons of money from the National Science Foundation. Um, and what they discovered is that um, they were paying a lot of their employees more than they were supposed to be paying them. And um. the documentation that they were using to show what they were paying was falsified and incorrect. So wait a minute, they were paying, they were paying employees paid by the federal grant yes. more than a comparable level allowed. employee. Oh, oh, more than the grant, grant allowed. allowed. Yeah. So sometimes the grant, you know, will cap how much money you can give to certain mm. people work being funded through the grant. Oh, so they, they were, were using that money and they were like, no one will notice. We yeah. will just have this line item called other. Salaries. <laughs> Salaries. Salaries. Yes. Um, another example, <laughs> back in the days of the stimulus funding, um, the N Nevada Safe Fire Council received oh, yeah. millions of dollars. Um, and what's interesting is this is one of those grants where you could request that they reimburse you without having to provide the documentation to the funder. You still had to have it. So when you were audited and stuff, but when you... Okay, it's like keeping your receipts. Yes, you had to keep them, but you didn't have to give them to the funder to get reimbursed. They asked for hundreds of thousands of dollars that they didn't have any expenses for. So they were just saying, yeah, we need money. We need money. And so who knows what they were using it for, whether it was personal gain or whether mistakes or, were made. Who or knows? Or it could be they were trying to pay their other bills. Sometimes it goes yes. down like that. Yes. But this. the more interesting one is when they're just straight up pocketing and doing crazy things with it. I just, I'm like, y'all, this yes. is nuts. So yes, sadly, stories about, if you want to follow the hashtag Grant's Gone Wrong, um, <laughs> you can find similar stories on Twitter about such things. And I feel like this is super hard for you because yes. you are such an of self-professed rule follower. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The common denominator for all of this is um, that people are involved with all their baggage and their mm -hmm. feelings and their own issues. And lack of common sense, perhaps. Sometimes. Well, and sometimes I'm like, people, I'm like, can you just use your creative you should powers for, for good. good. Yes. Um, I'm a total rule follower, though. So ethical behavior around grant management. Um is just a very straightforward by the book kind of thing sure. for me. Sure. Um, but I have seen some well-intentioned people wanting to do something good, either in unknowingly or purposely. They wanted to bend the rules for the right reasons, but you can't do that. Again, yeah. The and biggest you, thing is it's someone else's money and it's usually the public's or. Well, which is actually kind of your money. If you yes. are consider if you identify as the public, which I think we do. Yeah. So, what you're talking about in that particular instance is about people who want to do good things with grants, but in questionable ways. And I like to frame that as with great funding comes great responsibility. And okay, Spider-Man. I know. Um, sometimes when I'm teaching grant management, people want to talk about these kinds of situations, but they don't really want to implicate their own workplaces in front of the relative strangers that may Understood. be in the classroom. So, yeah. so I'd like for you, Amanda, to talk about, uh, friend of yours who worked for a local government in another galaxy far, far away. 
Um, one example I can think of, and you may think this is kind of silly because in the scheme of things, it is such a tiny You're talking thing. to a woman who just made dealy noises <laughs> and you're worried that I'm going to think something is silly. I, uh, a friend of mine, yes, now um, had a situation where the police department had money to do a bicycle safety education campaign program. Okay, great Community program policing community. kind yes. of thing. Getting to know the community, teaching people about riding safety and with your helmets, teaching kids the right way to do things more importantly teaching drivers about the georgia laws because i don't know if people know this but every state is allowed to make their own rules when it comes to bicycle safety Mm -hmm. and georgia has some very specific laws about if you are can remember it's 16 or 18 years or older you are not allowed to ride your bike on a sidewalk you have to be in the road girl they're called sidewalks they're not called sidewalk your bikes yes um and you also have to be going with the flow of traffic you're allowed to ride two abreast and so drivers need to under because they need to understand because i know i sometimes get frustrated especially i live kind of out in the country lots of two-lane roads she does it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and when the weather is nice on sunday morning bicyclists will be out in like i'm not kidding packs of 60 of them out riding and you know when you're running late to church that's the <laughs> last thing and i try to be very gracious about it but whew, because but it's the more you understand that yes they're allowed to be out there okay so anyway so we're doing this whole safety education campaign great <laughs> i'm just Art, i'm just, just thinking about you mowing down the <laughs> i am late to church y'all stand aside this is important move out of my way <laughs> Um, as I'm screaming at my kids in the back seat because they're fighting. And yes, it's Sunday mornings. Oh, it sounds super peaceful. It's lovely, yeah. let me tell you. But hey, anyway, um, so we had done a whole year of all these activities. And the two bicycle officers that ran this program were amazing. They had such a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And um, their culmination of the year was this big community-wide event. We had speakers that were bicyclists for like this Georgia cycling team that had won all kinds of competitions. So they're going to be the guest speaker and we're doing a bike rodeo for kids and we're giving away helmets. And of course we know the only way to get people to things is to have free food. Okay. So we're going to have, we're going to have snacks and drinks for people who show up. So here it is the day before the event. Mm. Now I never help spend the grant money. I help get it. I make sure we manage it right, but I don't buy the things. Well, it's a separation of duties thing, which I think is healthy. And it's a program officer. Y'all know what you need better than I do. So, Absolutely. Well, the the officers that ran the bike program, male and female, the male officer comes into my office and he was like, "Um, I'm in a pickle. My my partner. So to speak. Yes. My partner is sick. She's out today. We're supposed to buy all the stuff. And he was like, um, my wife does all the grocery shopping. I I don't even know what to get. I don't know what the plan was. Okay. I want to stop you right there. I want to stop you right there. <laughs> I know where you're going. I am so glad that he never came into my office and asked me that. I'm like, I'd be like, sir, do you eat food? <laughs> well, do you know there's a store that sells that? And if you go up and down the aisles, you might see it and you put it in a little thing called a basket and you walk your ass up to the front and you pay for it. Oh my God. My wife does all the grocery <laughs> shop. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm backing away. Yes. I'm so, backing away. I took pity oh. and I said, I got it was time. pitiful. Let's, I'll give you let's that. Let's go. So we go to the grocery store. He grabs another fellow officer because we we know we're going to need trunk space. And we know, I mean, we're planning for a thousand people. So we got to buy lots of stuff, right? So Okay, okay. I I divvy out. We divide and conquer. And I was like, I don't know what your, your partner's plan was. But I said, I'm keeping it simple. We are not going to have to deal with plates and forks and i said we're buying everything pre-packaged granola bars little bags of chips da, da, da. we're also going to buy a bunch of two liters because we're going to have a bucket of ice and some ice and we'll do cups instead of having to cool down so this is our plan right so 
Great. Everybody goes. We buy all the things. We meet up at the front. Was this his first time in a grocery store? <laughs> I don't know. But we put everything on the conveyor belt. Okay. And after we get the last thing on there, the extra officer who had come just to help carry and lift and do all the stuff, he grabs one of those little, um, I don't know what size, the individual bottles of Coke out of the end thing. And he puts it up on the no, cart. Sir. Nope. And I look at him and I grab the divider and I set it down between the two, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. He stares me down and he moves the divider and I put it back and he moves it. And so we do this for about five times, right? And finally I put it back and I was like, don't touch it again. Now, mind you, he is in uniform, gun, taser, all this stuff. I'm staring him down. And he was like, yes, but you were the holder of the magic grocery store I divider. Was. And he goes, what is your problem? And I said, you, sir, that is not for the grant. And he goes, I helped. I'm thirsty. And I was like, I just am not going to go on a rant here about that <laughs> level of entitlement, but I want you to know I'm thinking about it. Go ahead. <laughs> so, but I explained to him, I said, look, the problem is I have to turn this receipt in and they're going to look at it and be like, that's odd. Two liter, two liter, two liter, two liter, personal size Diet Coke and only one of them. I'm going to guess that didn't go to the event, that somebody else kept that. And I said, it's less than two bucks, dude. Buy Pony it. Up, Buy it. And sir. he said, but I helped. And I'm like, but the grant is not going to pay but for But I helped. What is this, a shake and bake commercial from the 80s? And I helped. helped. What is that even about? <laughs> yeah. So he was, and, you know, finally he, he ended up paying it for himself. But he was like, I, of course, I had to get stuck with the grant writer who's all black and white about the rules. And I'm like, kind of nutty coming from a police officer. Can I just break <laughs> that down for you? But I said, yes, sir. I am black and white because I have to be because this is not your money. It's not my money. It's somebody else's money. And there are rules. And of course, he was like, what are the chances are even going to look at that receipt? What are the chances of you just letting a man to be the expert and not talking down to her like men so well, often do to women? What I told I said, look, Honestly, the chances are slim that they would even notice it. I said, but I'm not taking, I'm not going to ruin a $20,000 grant program that has done so much good. Because you're like, because and you I want have. A Diet Coke. Also, Diet Coke is probably pretty bad for you. Yes. Sir. So how about some water? Yes. So he was not happy with me, but we Whatever. didn't buy it. Now, because I have to work with these people and I need them to continue to respect me. And I know at the time he's not, even though I'm in the right. I did later buy him a six pack of Diet Coke with a bow on it and set it on his desk. And then he was fine with me after that. So, and after that, he actually listened to what I had to say. So it did kind of take that little bit of a fight, but, uh, you girl, it, it you was... take the road so high. You're like taking the Mount Everest of high roads. <laughs> well, I commend you for that. Well, thanks. But cause I have to work with them and I, I can't know. have them going behind my back trying to hide things from me. So, yeah. So that was a nice way to say thanks for this. Yes. You entitled so-and-so. <laughs> Here's some Diet Coke. Good luck with your cravings for sugar and your chemical intake. And enjoy. Um, kind of a chilling tale yes. of um, where your it wasn't even your friend. I mean, you yes, know, truth be told, me. you were clearly self-identifying. Yes. Um, so there's that where it's like, it's true. It was such a tiny thing. And I can actually feel his point. It was probably a hot day. Oh, yeah. As well, many he was like, are. I'm going to be at the event tomorrow and I'm going to drink some of the two liters. So what does this matter? And because I'm like, it, it looks does. bad. It looks bad. And here's the thing. There might be someone who is auditing down to that level. Mm -hmm. And we... In our little story times, and there there are people auditing down to that level. But also, I think it sets a precedent of let's don't cross that line. Yes, this is this is grant funding, and this is not grant funding, and that's cool. And you know, you demonstrated, hey, here, thanks. 
<sighs> whatever. But it was nice what you did. But it's like, here, thanks, dude. Here's some Diet Coke for you so that you can yeah, pacify your my own money, not grant money. Dutiness, <laughs> whatever. So then that's, he wasn't trying to do anything wrong. He was just like, didn't see, didn't understand that federal and particularly federal funds are straight up gnarly about, about food and drink. Then there are other cases where people are just straight up. They're not, they're not helping with anything, but their (laughs) own uh, satisfactions case in point. And we'll be going over this more in depth in a, in a future podcast yes. about uh, straight from the headlines, grants, hashtag grants gone wrong. Um, there was a professor recently who was caught spending grant money in strip clubs. And I want to say that this wasn't a grant around um, health outreach activities <laughs> to the entertainment industry. Um, it was, um, he was basically lining the pockets of other people. And in this case, there were people who weren't really, wearing pants at the time. So they, they didn't have any pockets, right? So anyway, um, it's it's not all unethical out there just about money, although certainly the most spectacular cases do involve straight up stealing or straight up misusing. But sometimes, uh, and we also have an episode that goes in depth into this, the the mysterious case of the Theranos and the blood machine that never worked. Yes, um, that that opened our season three. Sometimes it's about falsifying outcomes or omitting the bad news or just lying about how it all worked to raise more funding. Yeah, I get questions all the time from my students about you know, hey, if things go wrong and we don't achieve all of our outcomes, do we have to give our money back? And in my experience. Funders are much more focused on honesty and ethical reporting. And they want the money to go do the good things because that's their charge, whether it's a federal agency and there's a law, a legislative act that says you must spend the money, or it's a private foundation that has a will or bequest and says you must spend that money. Yes. I mean, and so there are certainly chances where you put together a program, you have expectations that these are going to be the objectives that you meet and you've got your work plan. Here's all the things we're going to do to reach our objectives. And you do everything you promised you were going to do, but you didn't quite meet your objectives. Maybe you said you were going to serve 500 people and you serve 450. Or maybe you had a project director who went out on maternity leave or family leave and it slowed the project down by just uh, uh, two or three months and it got a little bit off track. Oh, yeah. It could be you were supposed to have so many events and it rained five of the times you were supposed to have events yeah. or you ordered something and it was on back order or I mean, just things happen. Nothing mm-hmm. goes perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so in my experience, most funders, as long as throughout the life of that project, you are doing the work you're supposed to be doing. You're keeping your funder informed when when things are going wrong, even if it's the first report, you have to say, we have done nothing because we've tried to hire somebody. They turned us down. We or still don't have a project director. They didn't pass the criminal background check. Yeah, who Ask knows me what how it I is. know. Yeah. So just be honest with your funder and they will usually work with you. Now, if you don't do what you're supposed to do or you're lying about it. Or you're out in the club uh, yes. <laughs> um, putting putting money into the pockets of those who have no pockets because they're not wearing pants. Yeah. That that's the that's the biggest thing is yeah. just to, to be honest throughout all of it. And I know we've spent a lot of time here talking about the money and everything, but ethics certainly goes much farther than that. Mm-hmm. I can give I had my first instance since I switched from working um, as a grant writer for an organization to being a consultant where I had two of my clients, two of my favorite clients, 
asked me to write the same grant proposal for them. So they and during both, the same during grant the same cycle. Grant cycle. Yes. All they right. both this All grant right. came out and right. both of them came. So the one that came to me first, of course, I said, Yes, I've got the time. I Because she's do not this. stupid, y'all. Yes. When the second one came, my you know, my first response was, you know what? I I don't know. I said, yeah. and here's why. I said, I've already accepted to do this from another client. I don't even know what the ethical implications are. I said, so can you give me about 24, 48 hours mm. to kind of mull over it, okay? And let's break down what some of those might be. Like one, you're writing the using the same application. You're doing the same research for two different clients. So yes. how does that get charged out? And yeah, if I'm in a time crunch, who gets, what if one of them mm -hmm. gets more time than the other? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just lots of things. And, and I mean, technically, they're kind of sort of competing they're, against well, each other. Um, yeah. they, they are. <laughs> yeah. So it's just one of those things that I'd never, I had not found that. So my first thing was I went to um, the Grant Professionals Association, of which both Kimberly and are, have been members for years and yep. years. We currently sit on the board. So it's really important that we follow these rules. Oh, yeah. And I read all the ethics and it doesn't cover. There's nothing in there that quite gives me an answer. Um, so my next step was to reach out to two consultants I know that have probably faced this before that I just... To me, they are the epitome of ethics when it comes to things. And, you know, we're talking to the lady who stared down the, the cop <laughs> about the Diet Coke. She's going to do her homework. So I talked to both of them, and both of them have said, yes, we have done this before. The thing to do is to be honest with both clients and make sure they're both okay. And if one's not okay, then, then obviously you you're just sticking with that first client. And they said, just be very careful with your time and making sure that you're tracking. And really what ended up um, working nicely is because they were both doing very similar projects. There was some research I was able to do. It really saved them both some money because mm -hmm. things that I worked on that helped both of them, I if it took me three hours, I would charge an hour and a half to one of them nice. and an hour and a half to the other. And so, and I let them know that probably was going to help and they loved that. Um, and so- And it's, it's true. Yes. But I mean, it's- it was one of those things that, you know, those are the things I think that are even more tricky to figure out because it's not so black and white. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, I mean, we all, you would hope everybody knows don't steal, but clearly, hello, guy going to the strip club. He knows it's wrong, but he just chose mm -hmm. to do it anyway, right? And so ethics certainly is, it's, it is about so much more than just the money. And the trick is belong to, well, I think we're going to talk about this in a little bit. There, yeah. There's lots of things that you can do when you come up with those situations that you're like, okay, this isn't like, yeah, don't steal. Yeah. Don't lie. This is, yeah, I don't this know. This is moving the Diet Coke from one side of the <laughs> sacred grocery line divider device. And let me tell you, I never look at those things the same again no. when I see them up on a card. That was a tool of power, girl. That was a tool of power. Uh, yes, tool yes, of power. Also a lot of times in, in these uh, thornier ethical issues, there are people who, again, operate out of greed, and we certainly talked about plenty of those, but I think sometimes people operate out of fear um, when it comes to ethical reporting and then rectifying the yes. situation. And it can be especially uncomfortable to have to explain codes of ethical behavior to people who may be several pay grades above you. We've addressed this before, but we're going to keep on addressing this because, so believe me, important. this is coming. And it's not like I've worked for like... Um, um, uh, a mafia family of grants. I don't mean to imply <laughs> that, but throughout my career, it's again, it's that 
fear of, oh no, if if we put this in the report, they're going to go crazy and they're going to want all their money back. And I have never had that situation. No. Ever, ever. But And let uh, me tell you, I have failed abysmally. We had gotten a grant from the United States Tennis Association to bring tennis to underserved populations. And so, um, Oh, this we is were, what parks and rec, yes, right? Okay, parks and okay, rec. Okay, we okay. were going to do, um, some Spanish speaking tennis lessons. The first round of it, we had zero Z E R O as in none, not a single student signed up for that class. And I had to call the funder, which is cero in Spanish. <laughs> I had to call the funder and say, I- I'm embarrassed to admit this. And I fully expected them to go, Oh, we want all our money back. That I want to stop awful. you there and go, You called when you realized what was going oh, on. Oh, yeah. I didn't even wait to Y'all, report. Job one. Job one. Yes. And, but she, she was like, okay, we want you to be successful. So let's talk about things. And what we quickly figured out was clearly we didn't reach our intended population because I'm sorry. I don't know about you. My son played tennis for about three months and I'm kind of glad he hated it because tennis (laughs) lessons are expensive, y'all. So I think if people knew about it, they would be taking advantage. Even if it was just half an hour, I can go to Target without my kids. Yes, please sign me Mm. up. And what happened was we were advertising so badly. We in our guidebook that's in English is where they advertised free Spanish-speaking <laughs> tennis lessons. So we quickly did flyers in Spanish, sent them to schools, had a full house the next round. I have a full disclosure yes. to make. I actually Uh-oh. told that story. In one um, of your classes? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was in El Paso, <laughs> and I thought, y'all are going to so get get with this right quick about what was going on. Yes. And yeah, they. I was like, guess what they didn't do? And they were like, didn't have it in the target language of Spanish. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. again, now could they have, could they have said, yes, give us all our money back? Absolutely. They could it's have. their money, but they understand. But they wanted the program to succeed. Yes. And most funders do. So, and you were able to work it out. And you know what? Let's don't throw harshly down on the folks who didn't figure that out in the first place. <laughs> Although part of me is like, y'all really. But to be fair, this is this has been like fifteen years ago. So we 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 learned from it, and it never happened again. So there you go. Let's just leave it there. Yes. Let's just back away. Yep. Um. And so sometimes those kinds of conversations that Amanda had, or the, of course the now legendary for me standoff with the Diet Coke <laughs> over the over the little plastic uh, sacred divider. divider. Um, it's hard sometimes to to help people understand that who may make more money than you or have more people report to them than you or be fully armed with handcuffs. <laughs> in a day. There's lots of things going on there that can be intimidating. And we talk about this concept of educating up and it just keeps surfacing and resurfacing. And um, we have a whole um, episode about this. And we also just will keep bringing this up. And particularly when we're talking about ethics, it's to help people understand ethical behavior and the rules and regs of following grants. It's just something that you just need to take on the mantle of that if you want to be have a career of integrity and success and and well in any kind of fundraising, not just grant writing, although grant writing and grant management certainly seem to have more rules yes. than um, any other aspect of um, fundraising. But also Amanda has another great solution that has worked for her so well. And I just I just want her to tell you about it. 
Yeah, when I first got to um, the city of Alpharetta, I was their first grants administrator and things. I, I think I've told Kimberly before. Yeah, things were bad. It was like the Wild West. Well, and you were also hired because they had a visit from the yes. Office of Inspector General and they were like, tighten up, y'all. And we we are not casting aspersions on the current management of Alf, city of Alpharetta in any way, shape or form. Oh, even back then. It, I, that's not Honestly, what, that's not what this is about. There was nothing anybody doing anything purposely wrong. It was just... Just like with any organization where it's like, hey, police officer, hey, firefighter, write this grant. And they're like, uh, okay. And then they get this money and they're just like, we'll take care of it. And they've had no training. And it'd just be like, if you sent me to a fire, I wouldn't know how to put that sucker out. It's like going to a grocery store when you've never been exactly. to a grocery store before. But anyway, so when I got there, um, one, of the not first, that go. <laughs> one of the first things I did was create a grant management team. That's right. Um, that I had asked each department head, I said, Give me one to three people that you want to be heavily involved with grants. And it can be you, it can be your assistant, whoever you want it to be. Um, and we met monthly for about two years um, just talking about what grants can and can't do. How long were the meetings? Oh, 30 minutes, if that. Okay. They weren't very, sometimes an hour if need be. But I mean, we talk about grant needs, but also would just, I would bring articles of kind of some of the examples we've talked about, you know, going, hey, look what these idiots did. And look, now they're in jail. Or and they look, lost, they got caught. They, look, they lost their money. Yes, they lost their money. Look, they we're lost, making fun of them. Yeah. And it really helps develop a relationship with me and all these folks because then they learned, oh, okay, it's not Amanda not wanting to help me out. It's her trying to keep us all out of jail. Um, and so that can be very helpful. And one of the things I haven't done yet, but I think is a brilliant idea. I know a consultant now that anytime she meets with a potential client, she brings the GPA code of ethics with her and, and attaches that to her contract. Nice. So they understand I ain't playing. I ain't playing at all. Here's the things I'm going to abide by. Um, and it's a great educational tool. So Nice. Yeah. Now, I think you're wanting me to talk about some workshop that a friend of ours does, but that's got a word in there that I don't say. So I'm going to let you give a shout out to Jonna Rogers. Oh, wow, y'all. Yeah, cover your ears because it's getting ready to get blue in here. Um, uh, Jonna Rogers, our colleague and a fantastic presenter and consultant in her yes. own right, um, just lays it on the line for grant management saying you don't want your boss to go to hell and you don't want yourself to go to jail. Yes. So. I've attended that workshop of hers. It's She's got some interesting stories. And sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes that's the boss you worked for that you're like, yep, they're going to one of those two places and I don't want to be along <laughs> for the ride in either direction. So finally, in an episode called Let's Get Ethical, it wouldn't be complete without me ranting on the subject of people who want you to write grants on commission and consultants who think that's absolutely okay. So Amanda's going to time me and I <laughs> promise I won't go on more than two minutes about this, but come on. That's, first of all, it is in the code of ethics for the Association of Fundraising Professionals and the Grant Professionals Association, and we refer to them as GPA. It's in their code of ethics that that is not something that grant developers do. And Association of Fundraising Professionals says the same thing for fundraisers, right? Well, th it's the rules are slightly different okay. for fundraisers, and I'm going to talk about that. Okay. So look, here's the trick. Grant writing done ethically is done fee for service if you're a consultant or it's an employee-employer relationship if you're an employee. Yes. Nothing against real estate uh, professionals. 
that's how they, they don't get paid till they sell the house. Yeah. Well, you better believe that you want to get paid for all this hard work you're doing on this grant because there are lots of reasons why the grant may not get funded. It could be a beautifully written grant with all the attachments. There could be like tiny little woodland creatures that came together to assemble it in the morning. They were singing like those Disney weird show tunes from all those movies. And <laughs> I referenced oh. the Lion King Circle of Life song once in a grant. It happens. Did, you, did it get funded? I don't know yet. We're still waiting. Okay, fair enough. But the grant can be beautifully done, and it may not get funded for reasons that are outside the control of that. Another thing to think about is if you are a, a budding grant consultant and a nonprofit or local government comes to you and says, would you just write this federal grant for us and we'll just, we will pay you a percentage once we get funded. Ding, ding, ding with the trolley. That is just bad, <laughs> bad news because... One, it's against the code of ethics, but if that doesn't rattle your chain, please know that it's not an allowable cost for federal funding. In other words, it's hard to get a grant to pay for work that's already done. And guess what? If you wrote that grant, what is that? Work that was already done. And it's also not an allowable cost. Allowable cost means a list of things that this grant will pay for. And that is hardly ever on the list. I don't know that I've ever seen it on the list. There's probably there, one or two exceptions that are maybe workforce development things. Actually, the assistance to firefighters grant they will allow will that. You. There are a handful that will. But keyword but, is a handful. Well, and here's the thing, too, in the um, 2 CFR Part 200, um, it, it actually is you are allowed to pay a grant writer for their services, even though it was done beforehand, if the grant allows it. The thing, though, is... You, the the award cannot be contingent on getting the grant award. In other words, you have to pay your grant writer no matter what. If you get the grant, then the grant could potentially pay for it. But joining me in my rant and I salute yes. you. So that's that's what the language is inside um, our friend, the Uniform Guidance. So yeah, it's, and, not, it's not allowed there either. And speaking for private funding, there could be something in capacity. Yeah, I'm over, I'm over two minutes and I, I don't even care. You. But in private funding, Unless it's something uh, connected with capacity building in some way, they don't have a, what's the cost of your project? And now tack on the extra money for the grant writer who prepared it and will reimburse you. There could be some foundation out there that does that. I have never come across it in all my years of health and human service funding, unless it's some sort of capacity building where you're going to take that grant money and hire someone. Again, it's work that's going to take place after the grant is awarded or agreed to, not mm -hmm. before. It's and, just the cost of doing business. And it's just shady as crap yeah. when people are like, oh, can you do this work for me and I'll pay you if it works out. I mean, you don't go to your doctor. You don't. You got to pay when you go. Think yeah. what you will about doctors. And I'm not even getting into our healthcare system. I'm just saying it's, it's fee for service. And that's what grant writing should be. And the final thing is that sometimes companies may call you and they say, oh, we have grants available. That's one thing. Y'all, all it is is a discount and they yes. want you to write a grant to get a discount. I'm like, can you just please send me a coupon code and let us move on with our lives? <laughs> and then the second thing is, oh, we'll write the grant for you. You don't have to do any work. And then when you get the grant, you just buy all the equipment or whatever it is they're selling Illegal. from us. That is so wrong. So again, the... There Not only are there things that can happen during the project, but sometimes there are all kinds of things that go on in getting the project done that are also unethical. But Amanda has some ways 
to maybe help you through this ethical quagmire. And not only for y'all, because y'all are all upstanding law-abiding people who are well accessorized. I can just tell. <laughs> but for the people that you report to, or the people that you have to work with, or the people standing in the grocery line behind you who really want their Diet Coke, um, Amanda has some suggestions for you. Well, we've basically already said this. Mm. Consider the code of ethics for your organizations you belong to. And even if you don't belong to GPA, GPA still has an incredible code of ethics. That you can download. Yes, it's on their website. In fact, anybody who has the um, grant professional certified, it's a credential in our field like Kimberly and I have. Yep. It says that if you have that credential, you will adhere to the GPA code of ethics. In fact, if we are found to have violated it, we could lose our credential. There's a whole system yes, for reporting this important. and everything too. But the Association of Fundraising Professionals has, has a similar one. setup. I believe the National Grant Management Association mm-hmm. has one. Mm-hmm. So if it's and if you look, they're all so very similar. So mm-hmm. it's not just one organization trying to cram something down your throat. They're all saying this is valid. And you can also use these as a see what this third-party objective person that doesn't report to you is saying. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have referred to that before as the you must be this tall to ride this ride. You just pop your arm out and it's like, you know what, we got to be this tall to ride this grants ride. This is the documentation. This is how we have to spend the money. That's what the funder requires. If you can't do it any other way, blame the funder. Yeah. Or you know what, blame us. Blame the podcast. Mm -hmm. We're cool with that. Yeah. And again, if you're not sure, ask those, you know who those folks are in your field that are ethical, you know, know what they're talking about. And if you're like, I'm new and I don't, give us a shout. You can yeah. email us anytime at fundraisingheyday.gmail.com yeah. uh, and we are more than happy yep. to help fundraising, you. Fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. There's yep. also a simple self-check that you could administer that I often do for myself. I call it the shower test. I know. I know. I'm Get sorry. It's, I, I know. So imagine... That whatever uh, whatever situation is in front of you, you are ha- going to have to take that situation and explain it away. Uh, maybe sitting across the desk from a sweet little old lady who's just donated to your agency, or um, maybe a program officer, or maybe someone from the office of inspector general, and you're going to explain that situation. Well, we uh, recorded the budget item this way because of that. And if you can do that without what I call getting what I call like a skeevy feeling, like you need to take a shower after you say it because it's like you said it, but there was a whole lot of spin and it was kind of stanky and you need to get that off of you. If you have that shower, I got to take a shower feeling mentally after thinking about that situation, it's not the right thing to do. Again, If you could do that without feeling like you'd have to take a shower to wash off all the skeevy stuff, it's okay. If you end up feeling a thick layer of metaphorical skeeviness, then it's not the right thing to do. See, getting ethical isn't boring at all. Mm -mm. Between the threats of jail, clawbacks, disgusted donors, heroic whistleblowers, fearless rule followers. Like my buddy Amanda. It's a place where you can make a difference and keep that flow of good works for great causes moving towards a better world. And I love that world. Yay! Thank you again to our Season 3 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com, to learn more. So remember, y'all... 
there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn. We would flat out love for this podcast to be a regular part of your professional development lineup. And we'd love to hear from you, ethical quandaries or not. Although, ooh, I do love a good story. Um, please drop us a line at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes this season, including our next one, where we are featuring a fantastic book about burnout. It's something that happens in many career paths, including the grant profession. So until next time, friends, bye. Bye. Thank you.